Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to episode 84, What Your Sons Need. So if you did not listen to the previous episode about what your daughter needs, maybe you just have sons, or maybe you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, go back and listen to that episode first, because nearly everything that is in that episode, your sons also need. Now, there are just a few tweaks, and you'll notice them as we move through this episode, but... Your sons also need connection, uh, a sense of self and empowerment, and they need the gift of something greater than themselves. So the boys also need the same thing that the girls need. That's kind of like the baseline. The one thing, though, that I think I left out in the previous episode, which is so funny because it's kind of the baseline of our family, is affection. We need to connect with our children through affection, through hello and goodbye hugs and kisses as a habit, through just a good hug or um, a little kiss on the cheek during the day, just to let them know that we are connecting physically with them. Human beings need physical connection. And it's just really important that, I can't believe I left it out, but again, it's, it's almost like eating for us in our family. We are affectionate. And it's important that if you're not, don't say, well, I'm just not an affectionate person. Your child needs you to be. You were affectionate when they were babies. Don't let that affection just dissipate as they get older. In fact, I would say that your young adults, your teenagers, They need your connection physically with them more as adults, or maybe not more, maybe at least as much, so that they don't go find it someplace else. And and remember, I'm talking about just the hugs and the kisses and the affectionate looks to each other. Okay, so we have two girls and five boys, and the ages range from 34 to 20. So we have gone through the grade school and the high school ages, and we're in the uh, adult ages. Um, So I wanted to share some of the things that I learned when our sons were growing up, and even now with my 20-year-old son, how I can help him as a mom. One of the first things that we as moms should do is to teach our sons to have mastery over their senses. Now, this means that we teach them limits and teach them how to self-impose limits. You know, there's that whole theory of boys will be boys, and so you get a hole in the wall. Oh, well, so they're wrestling and they break the lamp. Oh, well, I never bought into that. I think because my mom never bought into it, but you know what? There are limits and there are guardrails, and I think it's important to let our sons know that there are limits and guardrails in their behavior. Now, it is true that boys are more physical than girls, and boys need more exercise uh, than girls do. 
But that doesn't mean they have to tear up your house or tear up each other. So find positive ways for them to be the boys they are, but also to have uh, the mastery over their actions rather than just say, oh, well, that's a boy. From the time they're young, teach them the virtues of decency and integrity, of honesty and courage and fortitude to not give up when things are difficult. In their everyday life, there are countless times when we can correct them with virtue from the time they're very young, even to the time when they're adults and we're still their moms. We kind of step back in the correction phase, but sometimes we need to kind of step in and say, ah, careful how you're speaking to someone. Pointing out the better way to behave and challenging our sons to choose that path is really important. Again, we don't throw up our hands and say they're boys will be boys. They're just going to develop the way they develop. Our job is to help them have mastery over their senses when they're young so that when they become older, they will master their own senses. Second thing is don't be their mommy. This is really hard, right? But from the time they're born, we have to give them the tools to become independent. Now, obviously when they're babies, you know, they need us and we are a hundred percent at their disposal. But as they grow up, we need to about two years, three years, we need to start giving them the tools for independence, teaching them to take care of themselves, teaching them little household chores. Yes. From the time they're three, they can take the little garbage bags from the bathrooms and take them out. They can take their little plates over to the sink. We want to teach them to be self-sufficient. I told the story before, but my son at the senior retreat get together with all the parents, a senior 18 year old boy got up and thanked his mom for making his lunch every day for 18 years. And my son turned and looked at me and he's like, what moms do that? (laughs) He had been making his lunch since he was a small boy. That's how we teach self-esteem and self-confidence by teaching them to be self-sufficient. So moms, give them daily chores, weekly chores, and help them be responsible for their rooms. Teach them how to clean, how to do their wash, how to dust and vacuum. All those things are important. And we need to teach them to think. We should not be the one to be giving them the answers all the time. We need to walk them through the process of deciding what is best in their situation. The next thing is to be the model of the type of woman you want for your son to have as a partner. Now, our first reaction is, I'm not perfect. I can't possibly do that. No one is asking you to be perfect. Remember that 80-20 rule. If you try to be who you want to be for 80% of the time, you're going to be way ahead of the game. But we teach our sons the kind of woman to look for by modeling that kind of woman. And what is that kind of woman? Well, hopefully she's kind and modest and virtuous. And we help them understand that the most popular girl 
will usually not bring them the connection they desire. We teach our sons to be chivalrous, beginning when they're very young boys. Teach them to hold the door open for you when they're six or seven, whenever they can have the strength to hold the door open. Teach them that girls are first. Teach them that refinement of the way to treat a woman. If they respect girls from their youth, they will continue to respect them in their teens and in their adulthood. They won't see girls as a means to pleasure or to be used to build themselves up. And so when they're in the locker rooms with their friends and they're hearing all the stories that their friends are telling, in their minds they'll know that's not what a girl is for. Remember that men and women are made with different gifts and strengths. Let's work with our husbands as a team. Help your husband and let him help you strengthen each other's weaknesses. When Michael and I were beginning our family and as our children began to grow and come into the teenage years, um, Michael spoke to our sons a little too directly. That's the kind way to put it. And he knows I'm saying this, so I'm not I'm not calling him out. His father was very rough and gruff and not kind. And you often mimic what you saw or how you were raised. And so I had to help him be kind in the way he spoke to our teenage sons. He was really unaware of the way he was coming across to them. And it wasn't just a one and done. We had a lot of discussions. We tried not to do it in front of the boys, but we had a lot of discussions about how he said the message that was coming across to the sons. Now, Michael helped me relax. I am so type A. I really have trouble relaxing and being playful. And Michael helped me with that skill to relax, to enjoy the children, to sit and watch a fun movie with the family. That's hard for me to do. It's not because I don't love my family. It's just hard for me to sit and do nothing. But I needed to do that. So let your husband help you while you help him. As we help our husband in his relationship with his sons, we need to do that lovingly and gently as we point out ways that they may be able to connect. You know, men have so much pressure in their lives. If they're the providers of the family, they sometimes forget the tender side of the relationships. And in this day and age where there's a lot of underemployment or unemployment because of COVID, men have an enormous amount of pressure, either in finding jobs or in keeping their jobs. It's very difficult, and we need to be sensitive to that. Our men, our husbands, can be strong and masculine and kind and sensitive, but we're not going to help them develop that full humanness about them by nagging them or by being critical of them or emasculating them. Never emasculate your husband in front of your children. Never, ever. Don't do it privately, but never do it in front of your children. We need to support our husbands and have communication. Talk to each other. 
help each other, not from a place of anger or resentment, but from a place of love and encouragement. And you and I are in this together. This is how we want to raise our children. So let me help you. You help me. And of course, that requires humility. So pray for humility for both you and your husband. So pray for your husband to be the good father that God is calling him to be. This next part is about protecting your son's innocence. As a woman, we have an acute sensitivity to immodesty and lack of virtue. We see it. We recognize it. And that's a gift that we can bring to our family. We shouldn't ignore that. We need to create a home where we have sort of a zero-tolerance environment for immodesty and lack of human virtue in sexuality. Our home should be a shelter for our sons, where they can play and learn without the stress of the inappropriate. Our sons are assaulted every day, all day long, through social media, through billboards, through lyrics and music. It's, it's really constant. We need to provide a safe haven for our sons so that they can come home and relax. Their bodies are designed to react to the visual. We should not be naive to think that our sons won't be affected by a movie or a video game or a picture featuring sexualized women. It also isn't an overstatement to say that the exposure of young sons to sexualized toys and games and entertainment can be the beginning of a pornography addiction later in life. Any research on pornography will show that it is usually an inclined plane, beginning with images that are suggestive and moving towards more graphic images. It begins when they're young. They used to say 13 was the age when pornography addictions really started. But now with the easy availability of the internet and our lack of watching over what they're doing, that has come way down. It's, it's shocking what five-year-olds and six-year-olds can see. Don't forget, you can't unsee something. As mothers, we must teach our sons to also be sensitive to the immodest and to protect their eyes. We have to help them learn to be vigilant in looking away and walking away. They are responsible for protecting themselves, and we have to help them see that. They can't be passive victims. We need to give them the moral authority to be vigilant in protecting themselves. Once a child's innocence is lost, it's very difficult to get it back. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. That dopamine hit that they experience when they see something that's tantalizing, it's like stronger than cocaine. So please don't misunderstand me. If your sons have already been exposed, don't say, well, what else am I going to do about it? Turn the page and be vigilant as best you can. I used to tell my children, you can't unsee something. And that's really important for them to remember in protecting themselves. When they were young, we controlled the input of images and visuals. 
And as they got older, we helped them learn to control what they exposed themselves to. We taught them to turn off the TV. We taught them to move away if they accidentally got to a page on the internet. That's what we want to give them, that power and vigilance to take care of themselves. Here are some ways that you can help your son retain his innocence. Now listen, he's not going to be happy or appreciate your intervention. He wants to do what everybody else is doing. But don't forget, you are the parent. You know what's best for him. And you need to act on that. And you need to tell him, look, when I die, I have to answer to God. (laughs) So you're going to have to do what I think is best because my soul depends on it. A friend of mine had a son who was an amazing artist and he drew superheroes when he was like eight and nine and 10 years old. But my friend thought that they were dark and sexualized. They were what he saw. Her son was not happy when she took away the drawing book and explained that the images did not bring him towards the good and the beautiful of our world. And she encouraged him to draw other things. Many years later, as an adult, that son thanked his mom for doing that. He knew it was dark, yet he was imitating and expanding on what he saw. He saw sexualized women with you know, bodies that aren't realistic and sexualized men also with bodies that aren't realistic. He was grateful he had a mother to intervene. So protect your sons. No TV shows that display disrespect towards parents or suggestive language or suggestive scenes. Turn it off. If something inappropriate comes on, teach them to turn their eyes away or shut it off. Only age-appropriate movies that you have previewed. Our children did not watch PG-13 movies until they were 13, and even then, we censored many. Please be careful about this. Don't assume that because everybody else does it, it's okay. It is not. You're raising your sons differently. You want them to be healthy and happy and in good relationships with women. And that starts when they're young by saying no to so many things. No superhero cartoons if they're sexualized. Comic books and movies. I had two sons who were really into the comic books. And I could not believe the images that they were presenting to small children. First of all, I have never seen men or women's bodies look like that. It's, it is not realistic. It's so sexualized. I mean, yes, it's, it's kind of comical, but what do you think their little eyes are focusing on? They're focusing on the sexual parts. We did not allow female superheroes in our home. And once we realized the impact of Barbies on boys, we eliminated all Barbies in our home. Now, lots of people grew up with Barbies. They want their children to grow up with Barbies. I get it. But I'm not sure that's a great message for girls either, to have that figure that, again, if you actually put that into a human woman, you'd be like, yeah, that doesn't look right. So rethink the Barbies, please. Restrict phone use. I feel like a broken record on this. Remember that just because everyone else is doing it, 
doesn't mean it is good or right for your child. Children in elementary grades, they don't really need a phone, except maybe for emergencies, and even then, they could ask someone else to use their phone. Don't forget that the probability of your child, your son, encountering a predator, and there, there are predators looking for young boys, is astronomically higher than your child getting kidnapped in a van off your street. The phone is the kidnapper. It takes away their social interaction with family. It eliminates their social skills and actual human-to-human interaction. Boys don't know how to communicate, speak to people, speak to girls. They don't even know how to ask a girl out on a date or sit down and have real communication with someone, getting to know them. Please, rethink the phones. All right, children don't need to be on the internet. Also a broken record, I'm sure. But I've been through all that you're all going through. And I can see what has happened on the other end. We live in a culture where everyone, including babies, are on the internet. It is completely unnecessary and has a massive negative effect on their brain development. For your young children, bring in good books, make-believe costumes, art supplies, games to play, Legos, and most importantly, send them outside to play. Be vigilant in monitoring the internet. When your children are old enough to need to be on the internet, make sure you have a parental filter. Make sure you're watching what's going on. Don't let your guard down. Images and text through YouTube and education searches. Have you searched ancient Egypt lately? There's a lot of content that gets through filters. Keep the computer in the open family room where there's lots of traffic. Help your children make the right choices by not giving them more freedom than their abilities in discerning can handle. And check those video games. Restrict the time that they're on it. Video games block human interaction in the home. I suggest, this is what we did, no video games during the week. It is a form of entertainment. So Friday night or Saturday night. Are they going to go through withdrawal if they're doing it every day? Yes, they are. What does that tell you? It tells you it's not good for them. It isolates them. It makes them self-centered and impatient and unkind. And it begins the addiction cycle. That dopamine hit on the internet is something they become accustomed to and need. Does this all sound overprotective? Well, to some it might, but to us, it was just a way to protect their innocence. We had a happy, innocent environment in our home. I used to even find them 25 cents if they said shut up to a sibling. They played outside a lot. They embraced imaginative play. They spent time with their Lego creations and sports outside. We taught all the children to navigate objectionable material as they got older, and we helped them manage their curiosity on the internet with filters, time restrictions, and oversight. Did our children have a childhood free of damaging images? No, they did not. So I'm not here to say it's perfection. It's not. Even as proactive as we were about keeping the filth out, it managed to creep in here and there. We dealt with it and found ways to navigate the future a little better. 
So what do your sons need? They need a strong, kind, prayerful, affectionate, and joyful woman who embraces her motherhood, teaches her sons to be independent and respect women, and live with a high moral compass and integrity. You can give that to them. You are a tremendous gift to your son. Embrace it. Take care. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends. Thank you. Have a great week.